broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. You got to score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we go, Raider Nation. We're coming in hot. Like to do that on a Wednesday, especially when it's a little chilly and cold outside. But we are definitely coming in hot today on Unnecessary Roughness. Raider Nation Radio 920. We're in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. My man, Damon Cotton, behind the wheels of steel. He's been holding it down for not only this show, but JT the Brick right before us. So we definitely appreciate Damon's efforts. And man, oh man, we got a show lined up for you today as the Raiders have turned the page to the Indianapolis Colts. We have as well. Uh, yesterday, we had a little bit of update of just what's going on in Indy with the Colts. Didn't really break down the team in general, but we did talk to Derek Schultz. Today, we're going to officially turn the page to the Indianapolis Colts like we like to do each and every Wednesday and uh, talk to Matt Taylor, radio play-by-play voice. He's going to join us, matter of fact, in a matter of minutes calling into the show and just uh, giving us his thoughts on the Colts and what they're going to be doing uh, this Sunday or what he expects to see from them this Sunday because there's a lot of unknown, right? I mean, when you think about what they have going on, it's a lot of unknown. There's a lot of mystery when it comes to Jeff Saturday as the head coach. I do believe that you're going to see a lot of the same scheme when it comes to defense with Gus Bradley, but the offensive coordinator or the play caller is obviously going to be different than uh, than head coach Frank Reich, so uh, that's going to be a little bit different. So we'll talk to Matt Taylor in just a, a matter of minutes. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Amber Theo Harris, our good friend from Sirius XM and Silver and Black Show. She'll join the show to talk all things Raiders and talk about the 2-6 and six record that they're at. Uh, we'll We'll talk about Jonathan Abram, who, by the way, has been picked up off of waivers by the Packers. And I feel like it was about this time yesterday when Damon and myself were saying, yeah, he's probably going to get picked up by somebody. There's going to be a team out there very interested in Jonathan Abram, think he has a place in the NFL. And lo and behold, he gets picked up off waivers by Rich Passaccia, who's the special team coach there in Green Bay, and the Packers. And so I don't know what his role is going to be, but he's at least with someone familiar that knows him really well. Keyshawn Nixon is there in Green Bay. There's more Raiders that are there, uh, former Raiders that are there in Green Bay. So it's probably a good spot for uh, for Jonathan uh, uh, Abram. But, uh, yeah, he is in Green Bay. But we'll talk about uh, that and a whole lot more with Amber Thea Harris coming up at 3 o'clock. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She joins us every Wednesday to talk some UNLV. They lost last week to San Diego State, and they got a quick turnaround as they host Fresno State at Allegiant Stadium on Friday. So Paloma will join the show coming up at 3.30. We'll talk all things UNLV football. And, oh, by the way, the Running Rebels, they're back in action as well. So we'll touch on all things UNLV coming up at 3.30. At 4.30, Adam Hill from the RJ. He'll join the show to talk all things silver and black. He's at the facility right now. He's going to be in the locker room a little bit later after practice is over. And he'll just give us an update on all everything going on there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. So that's Adam Hill coming up at 4.30. You'll also hear from head coach Josh McDaniels. We met with him earlier today. Uh, you'll hear some more sound bites from defensive coordinator Patrick Graham. Didn't get to get to those on yesterday's show, but we'll definitely do it today. So we got a lot to get to on today's show. We're going to start things off with Matt Taylor, the radio play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Colts, who will be here at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday calling the game. And just want to know what to expect on the field, right? We know everything that's going on off the field. We know owner Jim Irsay is, you know, one of those guys that we can't really put our finger on exactly what his his mindset is, what his intentions are, but we know that he has Jeff Saturday as the as the head coach right now. We know Gus Bradley's there. We know John Fox is there. We know there's some really good players on defense. And look, the defense has been really good for that team. So uh, it's not going to be a walk in the park at all. 
There never is in the NFL, especially with a team that has a really good defense like the Colts. But it's still going to be uh, kind of a mystery to see exactly what team uh, will be taking the field on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium. So in a matter of minutes, we'll have Matt Taylor, the radio play-by-play voice of the Indianapolis Colts. And we have him now, so let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 is brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. And Matt joins us on the phone lines now. Matt, thank you so much for your time. We do appreciate you and excited to have the opportunity to hang out and and, and meet you on Sunday uh, at Allegiant Stadium as you travel here for the the radio call for the Colts and the Raiders. And as we dive into this game, we, we already kind of did a preview of what's going on there in Indy, kind of the outside noise, but now we just really want to talk about the game on Sunday. When it comes to uh, Jonathan Taylor, I saw a report that he uh, he practiced today. Uh, is it safe to assume that that there's a good chance he's going to be playing on Sunday? Well, he, he was, uh, like you said, he did practice today on a limited basis, which is a good sign because he did miss last week. In fact, he's missed three games this year um, with an ankle injury, and if, you know, if, you, if you've covered the Colts or followed the Colts, you know how durable this guy is. I mean, even dating back to his uh, college days at Wisconsin, um, he was averaging like 300 carries per game, uh, either in the NFL or in college football since 2017. And in that time, he hadn't missed a game up until week five this year on a short week against Denver. And since, since then, he's missed three games with his ankle. So um, with the context there, you know it's, it's a – it's got to be something serious. It's got to be something nagging for Jonathan Taylor to keep him out, especially how important he's been last year and this year you know, to the health of this Colts offense, which just hasn't been able to move the ball uh, with any degree of regularity like they want to. Um, so it's a good sign that he's out there today, and we'll see how he progresses the rest of this week trending towards playing on Sunday. Again, we're talking with Matt Taylor, the radio play-by-plays voice of the Colts here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. Now, we know Jeff Saturday is the is the head coach right now. He's the interim head coach for at least the rest of the season. Um, I don't expect anything for the other coordinators really to change, like Gus Bradley and what he's doing with the defense. Do you expect any other roles to change now that Saturday is the, the head coach? No, in fact, he talked about that today. He said, you know, he's the new guy coming in. Obviously, it's a very... A unique situation. It's unprecedented. It's been talked about and, and bantered about nationally as far as that's concerned. But he did say today that he's coming in and he's going to let those two other units, and by two other units I mean special teams and defense, mm-hmm. he's going to let those things continue to roll on and hum because those really haven't been the problem this year for the Colts, at least not consistently. You know, special teams Last week had a little bit of a hiccup. They had a block punt that was almost returned for a touchdown by the Patriots. Uh, the defense, for the most part this year, has just been very, very good under Gus Bradley, as you said, the former uh, defensive coordinator for the Raiders. I think right now the Colts are their top five in total defense in terms of uh, yards allowed. Um, so he's going to kind of stay out of the way in, in terms of those two units. Obviously, offense has been the problem this year for the Colts and not scoring points and turning the ball over. You know, they fired their offensive coordinator, and now they fired Frank Reich. And so, um, you know, they're turning to uh, a coach by the name of Parks Frazier, who has been with the club since 2018. He's going to call plays now, but um, he's never called plays at any level, um, sort of like Jeff Saturday. You know, he hasn't coached at any level, so Parks Frazier calling the plays. He's been with the team since 2018 in a few different capacities. 
He's worked his way up. He's got promoted every single offseason that he's been there. Um, right now he is the assistant quarterbacks coach and the passing game specialist. And so he's a young guy. He's 30 years old, and he's going to get his shot to call plays for the first time uh, in a big game for the Colts against the Raiders this Sunday. Um, so there, it's just been it's just been changeover city for the Colts the last three weeks. And, um, you know, this is sort of like the next domino to fall in terms of the offense and, you know, who's orchestrating it right now. Let's stick with Parks Frazier. I mean, again, as you said, he hasn't called plays, but, I mean, you're kind of a creature of what you're around. So do you expect him to kind of have the same kind of rhythm or, or make it look similar to what, what you saw with Frank Wright calling the plays? Yeah, I think from a playbook standpoint, it, it's not going to be any different. You know, the Colts just don't have enough time to – worked on all off-season long, all training camp long, eight games in or nine games into this point. So, you know, schematically it's going to look the same. The verbiage is going to be the same. Um, you know, everything from that standpoint is, is going to look similar. But obviously every play caller has their flow and their rhythm and their beliefs on things and, you know, what they dial up in the high red zone, what they dial up on goal-to-goal situations. Uh, you know, when to go for it on fourth down, how creative to be on third and short. So things like that are obviously going to change. But, you know, I, I think from uh, from a from a identity standpoint, the Colts are still going to have, you know, the same identity. They're still going to have the same playbook and the same verbiage they've used, you know, really since 2018. Because, again, Parks Frazier, very close with Frank Reich. Um, you know, I think that's been well documented. And so um, he's still going to have some of the same principles, um, and, and essentially the same schematic uh, approach as the Colts have used the last four-plus years. Talking right now with the radio play-by-play voice of the Colts, that's Matt Taylor here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. My man DeMond's got one for you. With Park Frazier, I know that he hasn't he doesn't have that much experience, but has there been buzz around him in the building before this moment of, hey, this guy, even though he's 30, he could be one of those whiz kids like a McVay or a, or a Kyle Shanahan? Does he have that type of buzz around him, or is it just, hey, someone has to be the play caller for this game? Well, I mean, I think it's it's a natural, given where the Colts are at right now, um, I, I think it is sort of a natural transition to um, have him take over because he does have the most familiarity within the coaching staff on offense with the plays, um, with the playbook. And he has been very instrumental working with the, the carousel of quarterbacks that the Colts have had uh, the last couple of years and have had and has had success with each different guy individually, you know, each guy has reached a, some 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 pretty significant um, benchmarks, if you will, um, with the Colts. You know, Philip Rivers played very well here. Carson Wentz definitely had his moments. Andrew Luck in 2018. You know, Matt Ryan. Um, you know, I, I think Parks Frazier was very. Um, he played a big role. You know, if you go back to the spring when they got on a Zoom call in March before that trade was made for Matt Ryan, Parks Frazier was part of that that call or that conference um, and then help kind of lure Matt Ryan over to the Colts in Indianapolis in a trade. Um, so he is a very, very bright guy. He's a very nice young man. Like I said, he's, he's 30. So to me, he's, I mean, I'm 37. So for, for him to, to be in this situation, um, that's incredibly impressive. Uh, and so he's a very bright guy. I don't think this moment's going to be too big for him, but there's no doubt there's going to be a learning curve um, doing it for the first time. And there's, there's, for eight games, there are going to be some bumps in the road as he kind of learns the, the ebbs and flows of calling plays and you know understanding situational football. But um, yeah, I think he's ready for it. And I just, this, I just think with, with him and, and taking over in the pecking order, it just kind of demonstrates 
uh, where the Colts are at right now, firing one offensive coordinator, firing the head coach who called the plays. Um, it's sort of next man up, and, and that's you know sort of indicative on, on where the Colts are at right now. Matt Taylor is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, Matt, I covered Sam Ellinger when he was at UT, and I know what he brought to the table then, and he's the starting quarterback now for the Colts. I know he hasn't had a lot of playing time and hasn't had a ton of success either, but from what you've been able to see early from Sam, what does he bring to the table now? Well, he, he, just, he definitely has a lot of mobility and athleticism. And, again, given where the Colts are at right now with their inability to protect up front with their offensive line, quarterbacks, uh, you know, i.e. Matt Ryan has just been under siege, you know, the first seven games. That's why they, in part, made that change to Sam Ellinger to get a little bit of pop into that offense, which has struggled to move the ball and has struggled to avoid pressure and, 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 and sacks and things like that in the backfield on offense. So Ellinger definitely has athleticism, but, you know, he's two, he's two starts in. And, you know, Matt Ryan, you know, 15-year guy, he's top 10 all-time in everything in the history of the NFL in terms of passing, probably a future Hall of Famer. So once you get past the shock of that, uh, it, it did make sense to put in Ellinger because he does have more mobility. Um, but, again, he kind of took his lumps the other day. He was sacked nine times. The Colts were 0 for 14 on third down. You know, Bill Belichick schemed him up pretty good and just kind of looked like uh, like a second-year um, quarterback making his second start would look on the road against the Patriots and, and Bill Belichick. So um, he's, a, he's a very, very good quarterback, and he, he really improved from year one to year two, from a rookie to a sophomore campaign, really improved his velocity as well. He worked out in the offseason with Tom House, you know, that quarterback guru, kind of the throwing motion doctor, if you will, so... That really improved his arm strength and kind of what he brings to the table as a quarterback to complement that mobility because he's making throws this year that I don't think he would have even attempted last year in training camp. So that's why the Colts felt comfortable making the move. Um, but again, he's—I think he's going to take some—you know—he's going to go through some ups and downs and maybe take some lumps along the way. But um, you know, the Colts are—they're high on him and they want to see what they have in him they, they, they picked him up in the draft a couple of years ago in the sixth round and they just want to see you know kind of where he factors into the equation in the offseason in terms of how aggressive and uh, how much urgency they need to have either in the draft or making a trade to get that franchise quarterback of the future in here we all know about Jonathan Taylor at running back but what are some of the other skill position players that the Colts have what are, what are some of the weapons that Raider Nation should be worried about well, Michael Pittman Jr. went over 1,000 yards receiving last year. He's on pace for that. Again, this year, the numbers have kind of tailed off a little bit as of late. Uh, you know, they traded Naeem Hines at the trade deadline last week to the Buffalo Bills. So they do lose some of their, you know, loose play ability, either on jet sweeps or lining him up in the slot to take advantage of safeties and linebackers and things like that. But they also have Paris Campbell. He's having a breakout season. He's just been riddled with injuries in his first four years. So he's finally healthy this year. He's making a lot of plays. Um, elsewhere at the tight end position, they've got Jelani Woods, who's kind of a red zone target. He's got three touchdowns this year, all of them inside the 20-yard line. Kylan Granson's kind of their version of their hybrid tight end. Um, so I really don't think it's it's the lack of playmaking ability on offense or the potential there. It's just been offensive line instability, pressures allowed, and then just not getting what they thought they were going to get out of Matt Ryan at the quarterback position to start the season. 
Yes, as simple as that. Sounds like they got the weapons. They just got to go out there and execute, and and that offensive line's got to be able to protect. And, Matt, we just got a couple more quick questions for you. As far as Gus Bradley and the defense goes, uh, like you mentioned, it's been really good all season long. What has he been able to do, and, and how has it been uh, at the, playing at the level that it has? Yeah, Gus has come in here, and he's really installed the scheme, and, and guys are thriving in it and, and making plays in short order. I mean, a guy that's really – benefited from it is is Grover Stewart. He may not be a household name, you know, nationally across the country, uh, but people here in Indianapolis are starting to figure out how good he is. And, you know, they're making a a pitch for him to make the Pro Bowl because uh, he has just got speed. He's got power. I mean, if he gets underneath your pads, you know, from a center position or interior guard, uh, he's just going to drive you back and then put you back at the quarterback. And, you know, he's already tied a career high in, for six tackles for loss this year. He's got a couple of uh, sacks. Um, he leads the entire NFL in tackles among all defensive tackles. So he's really thrived. DeForest Buckner has thrived. Mm-hmm. He's got five sacks on the season. Uh, I just think it's, it's a, you guys know, it's, it's a basic scheme. Yeah. Um, it's not going to put too much pressure on you, but it is going to allow guys up front to sort of, you know, think fast and just get upfield and create havoc. The linebackers are playing very, very well. Zaire Franklin, Bobby O'Karake. And again, I think that's why it's allowed this Colts defense to, you know, catapult itself all the way up to a, five, a top five defense. Um, you know, I think they would be even better in terms of, you know, points allowed and, and scoring against them if it's not for the offense. The offense has put the defense in a lot of bad situations this year with short fields, you know, after turnovers or throwing pick sixes. So, I mean, I think that the the scoring total allowed on this Colts defense is kind of deceptive because of all the turnovers on offense. So, um, it's just a really, really good scheme right now, and I think a lot of guys are thriving in it because of its simplicity, and you don't have to think out there. You just have to make plays, as you guys know. Absolutely, no doubt about it. Final question for you, Jeff Saturday. I don't know what kind of coach he is. I don't know what kind of coach he's going to be, but I do know that he's a guy that will get people fired up. He's a rah-rah guy. He's got a lot of a lot of respect around the league. When the Colts take the field at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday, what do you expect that team to look like? That was a fantastic question. I lost him. <laughs> Did I lose him? I lost him. All right, well, there you go. That's such a great question. I lost him. Damn. <laughs> it happens. It happens with live radio. Is, what, is he back? There yeah, he is. I think that's what everybody's trying to figure out right now with this team is, is where is it going to go? I mean, it's it's 3-5-1, and one, and we were actually just talking about that today. I mean, you know, it, it training camp was not that long ago. I mean, it was like two and a half months ago, and we're sitting there at Colts training camp talking about how good this team can be and – how many wins are they going to get? Are they going to get, you know, 10 wins? Are they going to get 11 wins? And are they going to win the division in the AFC South for the first time since 2014? So, you know, with an offensive coordinator fired, you know, Matt Ryan being benched, head coach being fired, um, you know, again, playmaker Naeem Hines being traded. Like, the Colts right now on the disappointment level or the disappointment meter are like, they're like at a 9 out of 10. Or, or they might be a 10 considering – you know, what they brought in this offseason and the expectations, and it just hasn't gone well to this point. So how they respond to this move uh, with eight games to play, right? And the crazy thing is the Colts are still they, – they, they can still make a push. They can still, you know, make the playoffs if they start playing well here. I know their schedule kind of stiffens up here towards the end of the season, but I think mathematically and, 
you know, hypothetically, they can still get back into this thing. But how are they going to respond to Jeff Saturday? You know, what kind of team are they going to be? Are they going to go up or are they going to go down after, you know, their head coach, who they really liked after four-plus years, was let go? I think that's the million-dollar question on how they respond. And I wish I had a better answer for you, but we just don't know. And I don't think anybody's going to know until Sunday afternoon. I'll tell you what, it sounds like a lot of the conversations we're having around here when it comes to expectations and how many wins the team is going to have and if they're going to make a deep playoff run. We've had all those conversations, Matt, so I understand exactly where you're coming from. Well, fantastic stuff. Thanks for the breakdown. It was great to have you on the show. Make sure you uh, travel safe, and we'll see you Sunday at uh, Legion Stadium. You got it, guys. I look forward to it. Appreciate it. Appreciate you. There he goes, Matt Taylor, radio play-by-play voice of the Colts. And, yeah, that's the big thing, man. I remember going into the season when it came to the Colts. The expectations were flying high. You know, all they needed was a quarterback. And they went out and got a quarterback and Matt Ryan, and uh, it just hasn't worked out. But the defense is playing really well. And it's so funny, DeMond. We talked about it on the show yesterday. I talked about it on the podcast today. With everything that the Colts have going on, honestly, there is I, I do believe this. There's no reason why the Raiders lose on Sunday except for there's reason why the Raiders could lose on Sunday, right? I mean, every reason that we talked about yesterday, they can't score, they can't block, they're not throwing, their running game's not anything. Now, who knows if Jonathan Taylor plays. If he does, that's a different ball game. But everything offensively is on the struggle bus. They have a play caller that's never done it. A head coach has never done it, right? And I I get it. The the coordinators are still going to do their thing. So mathematically and on paper, it doesn't add up to a win for the Colts. Mathematically on paper, it's like, yeah, there's no doubt there's going to be a dub for the Raiders. But unfortunately... The games aren't played on paper, and they're not done by math. It's done on the field. And somehow, some way, right, we could be on this show on Monday being like, what the <laughs> hell happened? You know what I'm surprised about by the coach, actually, is how good the defense is. Now, this okay, this no, is a no. shot that goes Bradley. No. But it's like, yeah. no, <laughs> you know, I maybe it's just the players in the scheme. Right. The scheme, you know, it it's just simple. Rises. We know it's simple. Yes. Just like Matt just said, it's simple. And we know it from, we, we witnessed it last year. So maybe the it's either going to go two, one or two ways. Either Derek Carr is going to be like, hey, I used to practice against this right. all, all day last year. Boom, boom, boom. I know where to go. Or it's going to be, man, these guys, hey, they got Stephon Gilmore. That's a player that in the offseason like, hey, wouldn't it be good if the Raiders signed him? Mm-hmm. So they have some players. They have that corner who can look at Devontae Adams and say, hey, I got you all day today. I mean, they do. They do. I mean, it's a top five defense. And I remember, I can't remember exactly who it was. Was it the Broncos and Colts a few Thursday nights ago when the Thursday night games got really bad? And it was, <laughs> as I, I want to say I was doing an ESPN national show with Freddie e. Coleman, and it was it was the Colts and Denver. And I think Denver ended up winning the game. 12 to 9. Yeah. Did Denver win that one? Or De- Denver won. Yeah, okay. No. Denver won at the last second. But it was a terrible game. And oh, no, the Colts won that okay, one. Okay, the Colts. But either way, 12 to 9 is nothing. They're not scoring very well. But... I remember looking at that and thinking the only thing I thought about that game was, wow, both those defenses are playing really well. The offenses both stink, but, man, both those defenses are playing really well. And I knew, one, the Broncos, the Raiders have to play the Broncos again, but I also realized the Colts are are headed to Allegiant Stadium. I didn't know the wheels were going to fall off the train before they got here, but I did know they were on their way, and I thought, man, (laughs) man, that's that's a stingy, stingy Colt defense. So, again, in my heart of hearts, and I never say this. You know I never say this. I always think that anything can happen in any game. I really, fully, truly believe the Raiders have no business at all losing on Sunday. But just because they don't have no business losing it, don't mean they ain't going to lose it. This team beat the Chiefs. I'm saying. <laughs> you know, I mean, there's, it, it's again, anything is possible. But like I said, for, for my money, they ain't got no business losing. There's been a lot of things in my life that I ain't had no business doing either. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but I ended up doing it anyway. So, I mean, you could throw that out the window, but that's exactly how I feel at least what I'm seeing from this team, this Colts team on, on paper, and I know their defense is really good, but, man, their offense isn't worth the salt. But let it be 
on Sunday, all of a sudden they have a breakout game, right? So uh, many thanks to Matt Taylor, radio play-by-play voice, uh, breaking down what to expect from the Colts on the field. As we already talked about the shenanigans going on in the front office and the coaching staff and all that good stuff with Jim Irsay, did all that. Now we really want to talk about and get to the nuts and bolts of actually the team, the game, and the progression of Jonathan Taylor because that's obviously going to be a key cog to this game on Sunday. So we'll continue to have our previews tomorrow and close out the week on Friday as well. 2.25 is the time. When we come back, we'll reset the show. Uh, Also got a a show topic that I want to throw out there to you. We want to talk all things defense. I still want to kind of uh, focus in on the defense around here. So we'll do all that next. Plus, get to some calls and texts right here on Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Brought to you by Southern Nevada Chevy Dealers, home of the Chevy Silverado, the strongest, most advanced Silverado ever. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Good stuff from Matt Taylor in the first segment, the opening drive of the show today. He's the radio play-by-play voice of the Colts. If you missed that, go check it out. Good stuff. LVSportsNetwork.com. Of course, we uh, tweet out and uh, send out by way of podcast the show each and every day. DeMond does a fantastic job making sure that's available for you. But uh, Matt Taylor, the radio play-by-play voice, joined us in the opening drive to talk all things Indianapolis Colts and give us a little bit of an update. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor obviously is the big deal. He's the one that you're paying attention to. Is he going to be playing? Is he not going to be playing? He's missed a couple games for the Colts. And obviously, if he's not out there, that's 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 bad for their offense. And so uh, he practiced today in a limited capacity, and we'll see what happens moving forward. It's almost like the Raiders with Darren Wall. Right. Everyone's waiting for Darren Waller to return. He goes to practice in a limited capacity. uh, And then basically it's a game time decision. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? And that's kind of what I feel like is going to happen this week. He'll be a game time decision as well. Uh, Darren Waller after head coach Josh McDaniels talked about him being at practice today. And I'll say this. I didn't stay for the open stretching session of practice because that's all it was. I didn't see anyone from the Raiders media tweet out a picture of Darren Waller at practice because head coach Josh McDaniels told us earlier today that you know, he thinks, and that's what he said. He said, I think you'll see him out there at practice today. And so I put that out there on Twitter. I said, hey, Coach McDaniel says he thinks that Waller will practice today. I haven't seen one picture from anyone. And I honestly don't, I don't think I saw any pictures, period, from the stretching period. And it's only a very small amount of time that we get to be out there uh, at practice now. It's like maybe 10 minutes max, and we don't really see too much of anything. But I haven't seen any pictures. So we'll uh, we'll talk to Adam Hill coming up at 4.30 and we'll ask him about what he saw at practice or what he didn't see at practice earlier today. And I know he's in the locker room. I know Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are talking to the media uh, right about now as well. So practice is clearly over. Uh, they'll get an opportunity to get into the locker room, talk to a few players. So we'll see uh, what Adam has to say, but that'll be at 4.30. Coming up at the top of the hour, 3 o'clock, Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM, also does the Silver and Black Show with the Raiders. Does a fantastic job with James Jones and Eric Allen. And uh, actually, I got to see her it was funny, on Saturday, we were sitting over, it was me and the wife and little Sarah, we had gone to Ellis Island, we were supposed to meet uh, Paul, my buddy Paul, Godfather, uh, from Texas, and, uh, and Otis, we were supposed to meet them there for lunch, and, well, they had the F1 stuff going on downtown, or not, no, so, sorry, not downtown, <laughs> I'll get the in trouble, strip, on the strip, on the strip, don't let me, don't let me get caught Don't call up. in, guys, I got him, I, I got know, him. I know, I know, let me, I haven't done that in a long time, so, you know, give me a pass, but, uh, no, so the F1 stuff was going on, and, man, the traffic was incredible, I mean, we have never struggled to get into Ellis Island, like, never, right, I mean, if we want to roll into Ellis Island, it's easy, boom, we're in there, man, I promise you, I was on the street, Koval leading into Ellis Island for like 35 minutes trying to get there. So we had reservations at 2.30, and I don't think we got there till like 3. Well, 
Otis and, and the Godfather, they're coming from the Venetian. And, man, they, they got stuck in so much traffic, they text me like, Q, I'm just not going to make it, man. So I was like, all right, no, no worries. Anyway, how this refers to and goes back to Amber Theo Harris is we were sitting there in Ellis Island in the front yard. Uh, we're eating, and I look up on the TV. I'm watching all the football games. Alabama's going on right now. UNLV's on one TV. I look over here. Boom. There goes Amber Theo Harris talking to Denzel Perryman. Really good conversation. And you know Denzel's a he's a cool little character. You know, he's got he's got his own little personality. I mean he's, he is, he's a really cool dude. He, he reminds me of you because he kind of just like whatever. You know, I mean he's just I don't I don't see Denzel Perryman as a guy that stresses off too much. Mm-hmm. You know, he just goes out there and does what he's supposed to do and then has a good time. But she had a really good conversation and you know, you're having a one on one conversation. You know Denzel Perryman doesn't give long answers. He'll give good answers, but they won't be very long. But, man, she was able to get some really good answers out of him. So I thought that was a really good uh, conversation that she had. So there you go. All, all that to tell you, Amber Theo Harris is going to join us at 3 o'clock. She does a Silver and Black show for the Raiders. And also Sirius XM Radio, Radio does a fantastic job with both. So she'll join us at the top of the hour. Did want to throw out there a question, as we do each and every day, like to bring a little topic to the table. Uh, and want to throw it out there, 69187, keyword R&R. Of course, that's the text line. You can always hit us up at 702-365-9200. Again, I want to stick with the defense. We'll hear from head coach Josh McDaniels in a few minutes. But want to stick with the defense in particular. We saw Jonathan Abram get waived. Saw him get picked up by the Green Bay Packers. Not a big surprise. But as we're talking about personnel, as we're talking about what the, you know, the Raiders need to do to improve that defense moving forward. I want to know, what do you feel the Raiders' biggest need defensively is? And before you call or text and hit me with like five or six different areas, I want you to really focus in. This is going to be an exercise of thinking. I want you to focus in on one, one area of where you think the biggest need is. When you look at the Raiders' defense as it is right now, what do you think the biggest need is? And if you could choose one position for the Raiders that they must address moving forward to improve that defense, what does it have to be? I'll tell you, for me, as much as I always talk about DBs win games and I do think that they need defensive back help, no doubt, I think it's got to be up front. And I think it's got to be in the interior. I, thought it, I think it's definitely at the defensive tackle position. To me, the defensive tackle, a, de- a real deal defensive tackle. Remember at the trade deadline, I was talking about Deron Payne from Washington. Guys like that. And I'm not talking about Ndamukong Sue. No one's picked him up all year long, so let's let that go. That's, that's out in Lake Mead. And we all know everything in Lake Mead is dead. <laughs> right? Including, including guys in the barrels. <laughs> I mean, look, I didn't put them there. <laughs> I'm just saying. So, yeah, that, that, that is dead. But I think they just need a big-time defensive tackle, whether you get them in the draft or you get them in free agency. You've got to get someone who is a dude, who is a difference maker. They haven't, honestly, DeMond, and I know you haven't been covering the Raiders or following the Raiders for as long as I have, they haven't had a dude since, like, Chester McLaughlin and Daryl Russell. That's going way back, way back. Now, I know they've had some other cats in between, you know, that were good, but they haven't had a dude. They haven't had that guy where you know, kind of like what Max Crosby is. When teams prepare for, for the Raiders right now defensively, they say, okay, let's circle Max Crosby. Let's make sure that our offensive game plan goes away from him. The Raiders need that guy, but they need that at the defensive tackle position. I like Bilal Nichols. I like Andrew Billings. I do. I like it. all those guys that they put out there. I think that they're good players, but they're not dudes. They're not the dude. Jonathan Hankins was a nice player, but you saw how much of a dude he was. They sent him to Dallas, right? 
That's what I think. I think that that's the biggest need to get this Raiders defense going. As we saw with Gus Bradley's defense a, a season ago, if you can get home with your front guys and you don't have to blitz, that's a, that's a blessing. When you have to blitz, that's when you put your, your team in trouble. So you don't want to do that. And if you can get that interior push, I mean, think about the quarterbacks that you have in the AFC West. You've got Mahomes. You've got Herbert. You've got Russell Wilson. If you can collapse that pocket from the interior, Crosby's going to get there. He's going to get home. He's, he's doing his job in getting home. Other edge, okay, we can talk about that later, right? But as far as making that thing go, it's, in my opinion, just my opinion, it's got to be that dude. They have not invested in a big-time D-tackle and I don't know how long. Would love to see them get a guy like that. Again, Daryl Russell was a man-child. Chester McLaughlin, man-child. Those guys, they need to find one of those big dudes that can get home, too. Not just, not just space eat. Like, you know, Lincoln Kennedy says it all the time. They've got space eaters. Guys that keep the linebackers clean. That's fine. That's great. Cool. Love space eaters. Also love the guys that can get to the quarterback. Guys that can, can really disrupt the, the interior. Like, what's coming to town? Like a DeForest Buckner. Guys like that. Right? I mean, look how many interior dudes you see across the league that have five, six, seven sacks. The Raiders, with all their D tackles, have zero. They've got, they've got to find a guy that could be that difference maker. So I want to hear from you. 702-365-9200, also 69187, keyword r That is the text line. We got a text from the 707. I need a linebacker that can legitimately cover a tight end and a running back. That's obviously an area of, of that, that's what he needs. What that texter needs is a Roquan Smith or someone similar to a Roquan Smith. Someone that can go sideline to sideline, not necessarily be an old school linebacker, but be the, the, the 2022 version of the linebackers that you're looking for. A guy who could thump like Roquan Smith, like a Denzel Perryman, but also a guy who can go sideline to sideline. You're not worried about him. I'm telling you, the play, if you, haven't, if you don't remember the play I'm talking about on Monday Night Football where Alvin Kamara catches the ball in the backfield and it's literally green grass and Roquan Smith. And you know damn well Alvin Kamara is a lot faster than Roquan Smith. Roquan still gets him to the ground. And if he doesn't, I promise you, Kamara's still running. He's on, on the strip right now running, right? I mean, that's, that's how much room he had to go. He's still running if Roquan doesn't get him down. But he was comfortable he didn't panic while he was in one-on-one coverage and got him to the ground for like a, a two-yard gain at most. When does that happen? Now you tell me if Alvin Kamara was lined up on a Raider linebacker right now and they got he dumped the ball off out of the backfield, where would he go? To the house? It happens. It happens too much. So that's what the texture right there who said, I need a linebacker that can legitimately cover a tight end and a running back. There's linebackers that the Raiders have that they obviously they're, they're trying. They're doing the best they can. But they just, they got, that's something else. Just like the defensive tackle I was talking about, they haven't invested in a real deal linebacker in a long time, right? Denzel Perryman has been their best linebacker, and that was a, free, a, a, a trade. They had to trade to go get him. So actually, they're blessed that they got him. If it hadn't been for an injury to, to what, Javen White, if mm-hmm. he hadn't got injured, Denzel Perryman probably wouldn't even be a Raider right now. Think about that. He'd probably be in Carolina somewhere, or maybe another team picked him up. All of a sudden, the Raiders needed linebackers bad because of injuries in that preseason game. That's why they went out and got Denzel Perriman. So it was a blessing that they got him. Imagine what the linebacking court would look like without him. And then it tells me to Denzel Perriman to come in, like you said, late in the preseason. Right. And still be. That's why I don't want to take, I'm not taking any shots at him at all. I mean, he's doing everything he can. And he said before, like, hey, you know, 
hey, if you guys, you know, don't think I'm very good in coverage, come out and teach me. You know, I mean, and he'll say it jokingly. But you know I mean, who I thought was he knows. better for this team at, at being a coverage line. Jayon Brown. Yeah. And he was I a did healthy too. he was a healthy and active. I I did too. Well, is he? I don't feel like he's healthy and active. Oh, I thought I thought that he was, was on the he was on the injury report all okay. week last week with a, a hamstring injury, and he's had a hamstring injury for it feels like as long as uh, Darren Waller's had a has a hamstring injury, and and then again maybe he was maybe he was I, I don't know, but I thought he was going to be a, a healthy addition as well. I thought he was going to be able to help out uh, in coverage as, as well, not necessarily you know shutting down a tight end or a running back, but at least. Giving them some, you know, making them work. Just that guy who, like, oh, if a linebacker is going to make a play, like, right. pick the guy on the roster. Yeah. I expected it to be Jayon Brown. Me too. I did too. No doubt. Good one. 702-365-9200. Who we got up first? We got Jacob in Fresno. Jacob, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? Hey, um, I'm really thinking, like, I know you guys talked about linebacker, but it's got to be on point. A true middle linebacker who's not only just out there making plays, but also leading your defense. You know, we haven't really had those guys. Yes, Denzel Behrman is a little chirpy out there, and the guys really kind of rallied behind him. But he's not like the stud before. I think I listened to your show a couple days ago. Like, he used to make plays in the backfield. He doesn't do that anymore. And that can be because the interior defensive line is not strong enough. But you want the Brian Erlackers, you know, of the world. You want the guys that you see the six foot four with blazing speed. And I would say draft, but the problem is recent history has shown, like Isaiah Simmons and Michael Parsons, are they really even playing linebacker, or are they playing more like defensive ends? I don't know, but no, the Raiders like, would. Hey, the Raiders would take Michael Parsons right now, brother. <laughs> oh no, 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 no! I, I, don't, I don't doubt. I don't doubt that, but it's just just weird to me. But haven't you been seeing that where they get these guys that are like super athletes, and like, oh, great middle linebacker, and then when they get on NFL teams, they're like, what are you doing with them? But they're making plays. Oh, I yeah. That. They're making plays. But I, when's the last time a has come out of the Oh. Smith, you can say this, but not really as a true inside middle. All right, we're losing you, Doc. Um, no, sorry, your phone kept cutting out. Roquan Smith was a stud in Georgia. He was a stud coming out of the draft. I mean, he he did some great things. He's done some great things his whole career. Uh, Roquan's been been an absolute stud. And, I mean, Micah Parsons, any team in the league would take Micah Parsons these days, and he could play anywhere. He could play at the edge. He could play. I mean, you could line him up. You just put him on the field. Just say Micah go. I mean, that's that's <laughs> you want that kind of guy. Isaiah Simmons, I'll give you credit, he – he was slow to the party, right? There was for the first couple seasons that he was even in the league, they really didn't know how to use him. He was one of those tweeners, and nobody ever wants to have that tweener name where you just, yeah, you're good at a lot of things, but you're not great at anything. That's what that's what Isaiah Simmons is. But, I mean, Micah Parsons is, I mean, that dude could easily be the NFL MVP. He could end up, end up being the NFL Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, that dude's an absolute stud. There ain't no team in the league that wouldn't take Micah Parsons. I didn't see who the account that he retweeted it from, but John McClain retweeted it was a quote from Cowboys practice. Uh, Micah Parsons, he had to hit the blocking sled. And he's like, yeah. this is more of a defensive lineman like you know, exercise. And then the teammate goes, you are a defensive lineman. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, that dude, he he's just, I mean, man, he is phenomenal, right? He is a hell of a player. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not even getting greedy and saying that the Raiders need to go get a guy like that because those kind of guys, those are generational dudes, right? I mean, he is an absolute stud. So, uh, yeah, there's no doubt that every team in the league would definitely appreciate a Michael Parsons. Let's go back out to the phone lines at 702-365-9200. Who we got? Robert in Portland. Robert, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. Uh, I, you know, i got to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, are you talking about – them uh, tanking and getting in the top five draft because that's the only way you're going to get a guy 
like Russell. I mean, Carter looks damn good at Georgia. But are you talking about, you know, picking up what's his face from the Giants, who's, uh, you know, playing uh, big time? You know, they had a face no. last year, and the Giants beat him. No. You know, defensive tackle. What are you talking about? I'm, ta- I'm just talking about a position that you think that the Raiders need to address. I'm not asking about any specific player. I'm talking about the Raiders going out and addressing a certain area of need defensively. Well, they need, they need a Navarro Bowman. That's what they need. You and I both know that. Navarro Bowman, uh, Patrick Willis combination uh, led the Niners to the Super Bowl, and they would have won that damn game if, you know, if they hadn't had Jimmy G. But the point is, you've got a hell of a point there. That, you, you, there's no Russell in the draft this year. And the only guy close to him is the guy playing for the Giants at, at defensive tackle. I mean, he, he, he makes up so much. Because uh, you know everybody's got to worry about him. I mean, he's the best player on the uh, on the Giants. So, front. so what position are you looking for? Defensive tackle. I'd love to get. Okay. You know, I mean, perfect. Uh, you, but you're not going to get. You're not going to unless you can get. You, you're going to have to sign him. Look at how much fuck this costs the, the, the Colts. I mean, you can get okay. Thank you for the call, and I hate to cut you off, brother. <laughs> you can you can find one. That's what the scouting. That's what the scouting unit is for. Everyone that's a great player in the league wasn't a top five player. Everyone wasn't top five. You can find one. If you want to go get a defensive tackle, there could be one in the draft. Hell, there's, there's offensive linemen that are thriving right now that none of us ever even heard of. Right? There's corners that came out of the draft that most people didn't even know about. N'Kobe Dean's going to be a sneaky good pickup for the Eagles. I mean, really. You, just because they're, I mean, and we've seen guys drafted in the first round that ain't worth the salt. Like, there's, n- the Hall of Fame is not the Hall of First Round. It's the Hall of Fame. There's players that are great that you can get. In the seventh round, there's a quarterback that's kind of good. You know, there's, there's all kind of players that have come late in the draft. Look at recently, Seattle has two quarterbacks, Tariq Woolen and Kobe Bryant, fourth round, fifth round. Could the Raiders use those guys right now? Hell yes. Just because you're not picking top five does not mean you can't get a good player. Just saying. So you don't have to tank. I mean, hell, you only got two wins as it is. Right? Even if you go 500, it's only... Well, you can't go 500, you got nine games. If you, even if you win five games, you only got seven. I mean, geez, give me a break. They didn't pick till the third round, and I thought they did pretty good in the draft last year. Nobody's saying tank. Nobody's saying you got to go sign this guy for a million dollars, but you can. That's another option that you do have. You can go make a trade for somebody. You can go and sign a free agent. That's the beauty of it. That's why we're asking, what position... What do you think they need? Not necessarily who or how much money they got to spend or what they got to do, what position they got to get in the draft. It's freaking November. We don't know when the, where these guys are going to get slotted in the draft yet. 248 the times. Radio Nation Radio, 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. What do you feel the Raiders' biggest need defensively is? If you can only choose one position, just one position that the Raiders must address, you don't have to tell me the player. Just tell me the position. I'll start things off. I said a defensive tackle. I feel like the pressure is what they need up the gut. DeMond, I didn't even ask you yet. I know we went to a couple callers, but I didn't even ask you, what do you think defensively the Raiders need the most so Patrick Graham could put this defense together? Already on the roster that's just not playing, Nate Hobbs needs to come back. Well, but yeah. that also goes back to where I think it needs to be corner. Okay, James Bradbury, he's had a great season 
in Philadelphia. Right. I saw one of the stat you know sites out there. Yeah. Him and Darius Slater, the best cornerback tandem in the league. And you know why that is? They get a lot of help by that defensive line. That defensive line. And look, I'm you know DBs all day, man. DBs win games, but that those that tandem, man, that works together. If you have that strong push up front, you're gonna have really good DBs out. You know, on the outsides, you you'll get them. As long as they're worth the salt. Yeah, and but those I, was ones gonna say, are good. I was just about to say that yeah, to steal your phrase, but the DBs still have to they be worth be the good. salt. Yeah. They still have to be there to make the plays. Right. And for this team, I do think I well, Chandler Jones, he has been disappointed this season. Yeah. But I know they don't have it up the middle, but on the edge, mm-hmm. I think that the talent is there for that. There, you could still cause that havoc that you're looking for. Right. But if you have those DBs or even a shutdown guy where it's, hey, that side of the field. A shutdown corner would be nice. Yeah, that's, really that nice. side of the field. Yeah. And then you got Max Crosby coming off the edge. So it would it would still you would still want that game wrecker up the middle, but I do think that a, a shutdown corner. When was the last was, time a Raider had a sh- uh, the Raiders had a shutdown? corner? I do know this one, Namdi. He didn't get interceptions. He did well. He did towards the end of his Raider career. He 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 didn't at first, and then all of a sudden he had that breakout year where he had eight, and then he was then he didn't get the ball thrown his way for a while. So uh, man, was he really the last shutdown corner? I guess he was. I mean, obviously, C. Wood came back. It was a, a safety when he we returned to the Raiders. But, man, that's been a long time since they had a real deal shut down corner. And this is a team that, you know, has always hung its hats on on his corners. You know, bump and run, beat him up at the line of scrimmage. You know, Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes. I mean, those are the two of the best duos to ever do it. Man, yeah, the Raiders do need – that would be nice to see a shutdown corner. That would that would be a huge help, a huge asset in Patrick Graham's defense. And that's what we're talking about on today's show. we got Amber Theo Harris coming up at the top of the hour, but let's go out to the phone lines, talk to Jared right here in Vegas. What's on your mind, Jared? Welcome to the show. Hey, good afternoon, Q. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, man, you know what? I I agree with with your take. You know what? We need to build this team. I mean, it's, being, it's become clear to everybody that this uh, ready-made team is really a, a rebuild in disguise. We need to build the structure solid, the foundation starts up front. We need so we need a Daryl Russell. I mean, the, the last time we actually tried to get somebody, it's been a bunch of failed moves like Warren Sapp and and whatnot. You know, mm. I mean, great guys in their time, but man, we we need to build our team from inside out and that goes on both sides of the ball yeah but on our defense if we if we don't have somebody that can hold down the middle and play solid then we're wasting max's career we're just wasting it might as well trade him and start getting some and and that's not what i want not at all but we need to get serious about building this team and stop getting these rehabs because the raiders right now are rehab project all over the place all right, good stuff. Thank you for the call. I definitely appreciate you. Let's hustle out to the phone lines. Again, we have Amber Theo Harris coming up at the top of the hour. Don, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? What's up, hey, Don? Hey, How you doing, man? I'm blessed, brother. All right. Hey, last time I called, we almost beat Kansas City. I said we got to pull every trick out of the book, and we darn near did it. But uh, to stay on your topic, you're talking defensive line. Last great one, Greg Townsend. Remember that beat? Yep, yep. I remember Greg. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we need a lot of work on defense. And what kind of irked me is the Bears, they gave up Smith for, what, a second and a fourth round pick? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, that guy is solid in the middle. Yeah, we he is. We used him so bad. But, uh, 
you know, I just wonder what's going on. Another thing is I heard the Green Bay Packers wanted Waller bad. And myself, I wouldn't have cared if we got rid of him. He hasn't done anything in almost a year now for us. And, you know, I hate saying that he's a great guy, but I think it was time to cut ties. We could have freed up a lot of salary cap and really made a lot of moves next year. Monroe's doing a decent job. I, I think he could have handled it. So, uh, anyways, man, it, it, it's been a tough season for all us Raider fans. I've been a Raider fan since 76. I always will be. I pull for him every week. And I hope this, you know, Mark Davis says this is not a rebuild, but this is certainly looking like one to me. I mean, we're, we're, we're tearing this team apart. And uh, I hope we're doing the right thing. I hope we got the right coach because I don't want to go through more bad years. I want this team to win and win soon. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, good stuff. Thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you again. And, yeah, I don't think anyone wants to uh, see more bad years. Everyone, man, I'll tell you what, getting to the playoffs last season, being able to cover the team that gets to the playoffs and be able to talk about them on the regular was a whole lot of fun. Even through the ups and downs, it was a whole lot of fun. And it's a lot more fun than we're having right now. But uh, we're still here to bring it each and every day. Appreciate you, Don. Appreciate you, Jared. Coming up next, Amber Theo Harris, Sirius XM Radio, also the Silver and Black Show. She'll join us. This is Radio Nation Radio 920.